welcome to Harvest Australia Church Podcast. We're so glad you're listening today. We pray this blesses you and encourages you. And if you want to get in touch with us or find out more about our ministry, please check out our website or social media. We pray you have a great day. I've got a couple of things I'm going to bring a hybrid word today because... um, I often find that sometimes God compounds a word for me throughout the week. So I'll get an idea and then he'll build on that with another idea and then another idea. And then I'll be worshipping and he'll, he'll sort of remind me of some of those things. So um, what I want to share today is a little bit about perseverance and the fact that it's all worth it. It's all worth it. And maybe there's just one person here this morning who needs to hear that one phrase, it's all worth it. Everything you've been through, everything you've faced, every trial, every bit of confusion, maybe fear, maybe you haven't quite known where you're meant to be or where you've been, but it's all worth it because his plan is to prosper you. His plan is to bring about good things in your life, not to bring harm, not to bring trouble and confusion. But when we go through those things, somehow out of that, he brings his kingdom plans and purposes. And, um, and so I want to just mix that up with a little bit of a, a theme. Um, I'm going to start reading from, well, I've got two. I'm going I'm to read two passages. Let's, let's go to Revelation chapter 2 to begin with. Revelation chapter 2. And I didn't, I didn't prime the guys with this this morning to put it up on the screen because I wasn't quite sure where I was going to go, okay? So um, Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation, the first few chapters, the, the revelation or the imagery, as far as we can tell, because no one really knows what every little bit of revelation means, but the, the bits that hit me are when Jesus is talking to the churches and he's, he's basically Um, thanking them and and congratulating most of the churches. Anyway, not all of them. Most of the churches, he's saying, well done, you've persevered, you've done well in these areas. But then he'll often in the first uh, chapters two and three, you'll see then he'll say, but there's one area that you didn't quite deal with. And so if you read chapters two and three, you won't do it now. You'll actually see Jesus commending the churches, the people of God, for certain aspects of their faith. One of them, a theme throughout those chapters is you've persevered. You've stood against the enemy. You've um, stood against persecution. But in this particular passage in in chapter 2, he says, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles as they're not. And you found... Uh, and you found them to be false, and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you've fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. And what I get from that is that Often in life, we can stand by our principles and we can stand by our beliefs and we can stand on the Word of God and maybe our traditions 
and we can actually forget we didn't get born again by our traditions. We didn't get to know Jesus by any routine, liturgy, doctrine, or anything like that. We came to know Jesus through faith, through a belief in the Son of God who died for our sin, rose again, and we're going to be with him in eternity. And it's as simple as that. That's the gospel, isn't it? And so it, didn't ma- it doesn't matter how we heard that, what songs were being sung at the time, what color the LED lights were, or any smoke that was coming out. They might have even had essential oils in the smoke. I think we should go for that. Maybe put some, um, you know, put some spiritual oils in there, you know, whatever. We could go off on tangents. But it doesn't matter about any of that stuff. Or maybe it was a more traditional format, a liturgy or doctrine or statements and processes that we've gone through in our traditional church. None of that saves us. It's only Jesus Christ and that personal relationship with him that saves us from eternal hell. Now, we don't often hear that these days, do we? Because it's not, it's not a, a hugely... Uh, popular message. It doesn't necessarily grow churches to preach about hell, but it's a reality. It's a reality that we know, and and most, and just about every believer will know that and and know that about their faith. But we've got to actually recognise there is a hell and there is a heaven, and the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. John ten says that, and so with that in mind. When we read Revelation chapter 2, we hear the voice of Jesus saying, you've done really, really well. And this is why I take this for my own situation and for us here today, is that we do well in so many areas. We've, we've persevered. We've maybe faced opposition or faced doubts and fears and rejection, hurt, abuse, whatever it might be, things that the enemy has thrown at us in life to distract us from the love of God, but we've stood the test. We've, we've done well. We've actually done well. But through that period, sometimes we can lose the most important thing, and that is our simple love for Jesus, the simplicity of it. And because it can get tough, and, and we can harden up a little bit through the battles, and we can even lose our sensitivity to who God is and his nature because we've been battered around a little bit by the trials and the battles. And all of us face this throughout life. And I I take this as a reminder to us that it's all worth it. It's all worth it if we get back to our first love. If we get back to basics, get back to the simplicity of the gospel. And remember that it's not how well you're doing in life that got you saved. It's not, it's not how good you feel that's going to join you with Christ at the great resurrection and have an eternal life with him. It's the fact that your faith in him and that simple, mystical thing called faith, belief in the Son of God, that actually makes it all worth it. All the battles, all the tears, all the trials, all the confusion, the debt, the things that we you know, place a lot of importance on, All of that is temporal. Isn't that nice? Do you know, if Jesus comes back fairly soon, some of us are going to have massive mortgages that we never have to pay back. Isn't that a great thought? Imagine the bank's share price then. There's a whole lot of stuff when Jesus returns we're not going to have to worry about. And so for this temporal period of our life, when we get so caught up 
in so many things, don't we? I mean, there's things we fight, there's things we believe, there's things we stamp our ground on and we, you know, write all over Facebook or really, you know, do very, very well at. Um, if we do all of that really well but forget our first love, it's worthless. It's like Paul says in 1 Corinthians, it's, it's a resounding gong. It's a resounding gong. It's, it's really good, and a gong is good. I mean, it sounds nice to people who like that sort of thing, but ultimately, it's just a resounding gong. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's got to be rooted and grounded in love, doesn't it? And so our lives together, what we do, who we are, what we stand for, must be rooted and grounded in love for him. If it's not, it's a resounding gong, and I want to just put a different slant on it. You might want to turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 11. And this is um, obviously talking about John the Baptist. And he's, he's prophesying about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And he says, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hands, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, I want to just focus in on this passage for a minute because this is really the crux of what I felt God was saying and, and, and doing and wanting to do. And I was reading a couple other versions of this this week, actually, and just looking at the imagery of the, um, well, let's say the farmer with his winnowing fork, and he's putting the fork in with the big prongs into the stack of wheat, and he throws it up in the air. And I, I think at some stage they might have had people fanning. If there wasn't a breeze, they'd have people fanning it. Um, or if there was a good strong breeze, they'd let the breeze do the work. And they'd throw it up in the air. And all the chaff would get blown off into a pile. And the wheat, the good stuff, would fall down and they would gather that up. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the things that, that he does. When his wind blows in our life, he's trying to bring about the good stuff. He's trying to refine us and bring about the wheat in our life. And he's trying to blow off the chaff. He's trying to get rid of distractions, wrong thinking, doubts, fears, maybe habits that we've picked up over the years, rejection or whatever it might be. He's blowing those things off by his presence and his power. And he's trying to draw us into a purity in him that maybe we didn't have before. And you, you would have seen this over the years when you see the Holy Spirit or maybe you've encountered his presence in a way. It's like a wind or a fire and his presence comes. And he does something in your life. And then maybe it's, it's amazing, it's fantastical. And that is a word these days. It is. You're going to hear it all the time. It's, it, seriously. It's a great, it's a great time. When God is moving by his, the wind of his spirit. But remember, he's refining us. He's refining us in that time. The wind comes and he throws us up in the air, so to speak, in the spirit. We go up. And then his wind comes to blow away the chaff, 
to get rid of sin from our life, get rid of wrong thinking, maybe to sanctify us in a way that we weren't before. But if we just keep coming back for that same experience, we're missing the refining fire that he wants to bring in our life to bring us up to being incredibly large people of the kingdom so that we can carry more, do more, see more, hear him more, influence people for the kingdom of God. But if we keep coming for that same wind-blowing session, then we sometimes are missing the point. Nothing wrong with wind-blowing sessions. Nothing wrong with being filled with His Spirit. We believe in that time and time again. But it's to do something in our lives to bear greater fruit for the kingdom. It's not just to have another experience. We can have that in many other different realms in life. Just another high. Just another experience. That's not what His presence is for. His presence is to make us like Him. Draw us into His likeness. Renew our minds, renew our bodies so that we'll be transformed to be like him. And when we recognize that, we see these experiences. And some of you might have realized that after a powerful encounter with the presence of God, then comes a refining season in life, a confusing season. What was that for? Why did I have all that joy? Why did I have that experience of the Spirit? Now everything's in chaos because the wind's blowing. The wind's blowing the chaff. Blowing the chaff of your heart, blowing the chaff of your life, blowing on the chaff of relationships, wrong thinking, wrong attitudes, maybe things that need to be brought before the cross, maybe forgiveness, maybe there's bitterness still there, issues with other people. The Bible talks so clearly about when we hold unforgiveness, it will be held to us as well. When we judge others, we will be judged. These are principles that no nice feeling or nice preaching can avoid the truth of the gospel and the reality of the kingdom of heaven is these facts remain and that's why his wind might keep blowing keep blowing in the life and it might seem like it's confusion but it's not it's the wind of the spirit it might seem like it's chaos but it's not the chaff sticking why is the chaff sticking maybe it's because we're not relenting we're not giving up some of those attitudes we're not giving up some of those things So then we go back to the threshing floor, so to speak. Might be your bedroom, might be your lounge room, might be whatever it needs to be. Go back to the altar, the altar of repentance, the altar of intimacy, any other area you can think of that we need to get back to that place, our first love. When we get back to that place, we, we realize him. Like in Revelation, it talks about the fiery eyes of Jesus the rider on the white horse. I love that imagery because I don't get visions, so to speak. So I need the word of God to give me visions and then I can picture it. Now, I mean, if I try to make up my own visions, Jesus will be cross-eyed and, you know, all this sort of stuff. So I need some, I need some. By the way, I, I appreciate that you get my awkward humor. At the last church, they didn't get my awkward humor. And so it sort of, it fell. I realized really quickly, I, I've just got to stay on track here. Stay. Keep, it, keep this thing vanilla, otherwise it's, it's just going to fall, you know, way out. So, well done. Good on you. Um, your perseverance is paying off, I can tell you. Anyway, so his presence is to bring about something. His presence is not just for a momentary touch. His presence is to transform us into someone who we're currently not. If we had everything, we wouldn't need it. If we had everything, Jesus could have left. He didn't need to leave us Holy Spirit because we had everything we needed, but he needed to leave us a part of himself, his spirit, to remain with us, 
to show us, to empower us how to be like him. And so in that moment when the wind is blowing, and sometimes it feels like the wind's blowing continually, and you might be saying, well, you know, this is just a season in life, and I think that it's really, really healthy for us as believers to firstly look inward. Firstly, look inward. Hey, there might be some strange stuff going on around you that you discern or you get some wisdom on from other people, but it might just be a little stuff that's going in on in here that we need for the wind to just blow that chaff off our life. Blow that chaff off our life. And that brings us into a place of purity. It brings us into a place where the wheat is then ground up into the good stuff. Whether you're gluten-free or not, it doesn't matter. It's, it wasn't an issue when the Bible was written. <laughs> I could just feel all the gluten-free people just bearing down on me. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of pressure going on. There's three things that sort of summarize this for me. And I think these three things perhaps aren't emphasized enough in our faith in the modern era. But they're three great things because it doesn't matter how terrible your life is. These three things are absolutely unarguable. You can't do anything to to, uh, have them removed if our faith is intact with Jesus. And so the three things are eternity. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is like the gospel in a quick sentence. And some of you would have memorized it maybe. Romans 6.23. It's a good one to memorize if you want to ever go on the street and quickly give a verse to someone. This is a great one. The wages of sin are death, but we have life through Christ. And so in that, we realize that we have life and life eternal in Jesus Christ for eternity. Second one is resurrection, John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus said to the woman, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. He's talking about the resurrection. If we die, we're going to be resurrected. And when we realize that, it's, it's a very empowering reminder of the truth of the gospel, of the power of the gospel. Uh, a lot of Australia has forgotten the power of the gospel. But when we realize, when we remember verses like this, we realize we have the message. We have the message. Not anyone else. Doesn't matter how, how good it looks or good it sounds out there. The truth is we are going to be resurrected with Jesus Christ. We are going to live in eternity with Jesus Christ. Those who believe in him, those who don't believe in him will be judged. We'll all be judged, but they'll be judged in not such a nice way. That's the facts. That's the facts. That's why preaching the gospel is so important. That's why our lives and our testimonies and our relationships and influencing people is a right thing to do for for the kingdom, right? The last one is the rewards. We don't hear too much about this because maybe you can focus on it way too much and, and, you know, and maybe some other faiths do. But Revelation 22.12 says, uh, this is Jesus talking, Behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man and woman according to what they have done. There is a reward in heaven that Jesus is going to give you and me for what we've done here on earth. Our 70, 80, 90, 100 years, whatever it is on earth, accounts for something. 
I heard a great teaching from R.T. Kendall, and I, I'm, I sort of like this line, that maybe your salvation cannot be revoked. Uh, and you can think and argue on that one, you know, because none of us truly know, because there's great people on both sides. But your reward can. And Scripture really does teach that, that the reward that we are to receive in heaven is determined by what we do on earth. Those who face persecution and who have been martyred, those who leave everything for the sake of the gospel, these people are going to get great rewards. You look up rewards in the Bible, you're going to find some really, really powerful passages that will probably challenge you just like it did me this week. Uh, when you look them up, because people are going to be rewarded in heaven for what they've done on earth with the inheritance that we've been given. And so our lives are temporal. Our lives are temporal. What we look like, what we sound like here on earth is just a blink of an eye. Eternity is what matters. Eternity is what matters. So when his fire is coming upon us to blow away the chaff, he's trying to make us like him. He's trying to give us opportunities to get greater and bigger and more powerful in his name for his kingdom's purpose here on earth. We won't need that when we're in heaven because we'll be innately connected with his presence, manifest all over, and, and I don't think there'll be any separation whatsoever from the presence of God, but now there is. And so there's seasons where we allow his fire, we allow his wind to come. And there's two elements to, fi to fire that most of us know when we talk spiritually. There's the fire of God that comes like at Pentecost, tongues of fire on people, which brought about power. But in that same work of fire, there is a refining fire. So the fire works in two ways, just like the wind. The wind is a refining to blow away the chaff, but at the same time, we feel his presence and encounter him, and he increases who he is in us. It's the same with fire. It is a baptizing fire and a refining fire. And so those two elements we need to remember, and you can probably look at outpourings of the Spirit revivals over the centuries, and you can see, you can see, wow, it was sovereign work of God in so many areas, and, and His fire fell, and there was amazing things, maybe miracles or salvations or whatever it was. He does that for a reason, he doesn't just do that to gather us and we can call God TV up and have 20 weeks of meetings here at Harvest. We miss the point if we think that's what it's about. You know what we do? We're chasing the chaff. We're chasing the chaff. If that's what we think it's about, we're chasing the chaff. We're missing the point of the wind and the fire in the first place. The wind and the fire is to draw us to Jesus and make us like him so that we can burn brightly for his name's sake, not for our name's sake. And you can, you can slap me in the face if you ever feel like, you know, I'm going off track in this area. I mean that in love, you know. But it's something we just got to hold fast to. So many, so many temptations, so many distractions. Popularity seems to rank so much higher sometimes in our own flesh. Popularity and bigness and goodness and greatness and money and all that sort of stuff seems to rank higher than Christ. That's why the wind comes to get rid of all the chaff, to straighten up our motives to be like him, to be like him, refine us, refine us, and let us burn with his spirit, power, presence, miracles, all that sort of stuff. But if we then turn it in just about that stuff, we're chasing the chaff again. So we've got to remain in him. 
John 15, remain in me, I'll remain in you. You're the branches, I'm the vine. And we just want to stay in that, don't we? So when his wind blows, we celebrate, we enjoy his presence, we enjoy the fire, his miracles, his baptism. But it's all about Jesus. It's not even about necessarily the vision we get at that time, because normally we spout it off and we were meant to keep it shut up and reveal to our own hearts. That's what Paul says. Keep your revelations. Keep your revelations. Of course, there's a right time to share and testify. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we get so, you know, heightened up on that that we forget again, hang on, this was for me to have a personal encounter with him. This was for me to be refined and sanctified, to live with Jesus and live for him and testify of his goodness, not of my revelation's goodness. Do you know what I mean? It's so easy to get out of kilter, isn't it? So let's stand this morning. Hey, it's only 9.50. I've got an hour and 10 minutes to go. So, you know. <laughs> just lift your hands if you want his presence just to blow over you this morning. I know it's a scary thought if you know what's coming after that. But, you know, he is a good, loving, heavenly dad. He wants to do good things in your life. He wants to increase you in him. He wants to bring about greatness in your life, even where you may have debts and situations and trials and tribulations. He wants to refine you through that, blow off the chaff, off our lives, and bring us into a great place of victory for His name's sake, not for ours. And so we might need to just lay some things down this morning. Lay them down. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place this morning. We invite your wind. We invite your fire to come and blow across our hearts today to do your work, Lord Jesus, that you would come and breathe on us, breathe on us, breathe on us, strengthen us, strengthen us, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we just say, come this morning upon us, in us, through us, make us like Jesus. Make us like Jesus, the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Just wait on him. Just hunger. You might want to pray. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in English. It doesn't matter. Just begin to hunger for him. I've learned something over these you know, couple of decades of, of being in God's presence, and that is he loves it when his people hunger for him. He loves it. He loves it when we want him. He loves it when we welcome him. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come in this place. Come in this place. Fresh wind, fresh fire in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. We give you this time, Lord Jesus, to bring about your transforming work of the cross, to bring about great resurrection power in our lives, to crush sin, crush doubts and fears, crush confusion and fear, and negativity, crush those things with the power of the cross in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit.